Over the three years I've been doing this show, I've come to realize that very few people have a lot of hope or optimism for the future. People tend to assume doom and gloom. They presume that soon things will get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Despite the fact that many of the world's problems have been relieved over time. By no means am I an optimist, nor an optometrist or ophthalmologist. In fact, some might call me a pessimist for the views I've expressed, and it's only natural, in my opinion, to foresee the worst when the worst is all that you have seen. This week's episode is titled Best Case Scenario, and in it we will discuss the possibility of a better future. A realistically better future. A way out of our current problems and towards solving the world's woes. This is a time capsule written and spoken by Jason Peters from the year 2020 to the year 2100. Two 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 thousand one hundred. Two 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 thousand one hundred. Two thousand one hundred. Welcome to the two thousand one hundred podcast. My name is Jason Peters. My name is Jason Peters. This week's episode is titled "Best Case Scenario," and in it, you discuss the possibility of a better future. Hey, this is Mike Hanford from the Sloppy Boys. Um, I think by the year two thousand one hundred, we all will be wearing jet shoes. Jet shoes. And what do I mean by jet shoes? Do I mean shoes with jets on it that make you fly up through the air into space? No, uh, I mean shoes that have some sort of jet propulsion mechanism that just make you jump a little higher. Uh, that brings me to my uh, next prediction. I predict that the NBA uh, in the year 2100 will have raised their uh, the height of the rim from 10 feet to 30 feet because everyone will be able to jump so high because, like I said, we will all be wearing shoes with little jet propulsion systems in them. The other prediction I have for the NBA is that the ball will be uh, square, a cube, cube cube balls uh, there in the NBA. I don't know uh, exactly what leads to this type of thing, but I just have this feeling deep down in my heart, my deepest of hearts, that the ball in the NBA, okay, in the year 2100, will be a cube. And you can quote me on that.
All right. So first of all, thank you for joining us and thank you for coming on to 2100. Could you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, both of the present who might be aware of who you are and to the people of the year 2100 who <laughs> probably have no idea who you are? Sure. So I'm uh, Ryan Grimm. I am the Washington Bureau Chief uh, for The Intercept. I'm a contributor to uh, TYT, author of the recent book, We've Got People, from Jesse Jackson to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, The End of Big Money and the Rise of a Movement. I also host a podcast, Deconstructed. So if you're listening to this podcast in 2100, you know what podcasts are. Uh, you may or may not know what The Intercept is, but I hope you do. I hope it's in its 106th year <laughs> at that at that point. Uh, it was uh, founded as a kind of uh, national security and surveillance uh, focused news organization. It expanded into criminal justice and and immigration politics, and from there it expanded more broadly into uh, in pol politics generally, while continuing its kind of investigative bent. TYT as the Young Turks. That's a C. Uh, you know, appears on YouTube, which mm. hopefully 2100 is not around anymore. Because <laughs> um, if it is, we will all have killed each other. Uh, we've got people. I hope it's still on shelves 100 years from now. Yeah, that is, you do raise a good question about whether or not this will be a valid uh, form of uh, if this will be accessible. But that's why we've got a plan. We got we're going to have hard drives out, uh, and also I have uh, time cap physical time capsules in the. Uh, what is it called? The city halls of New Niagara Falls, New York and Niagara Falls, Canada. There and, and yeah, we always for season two and we gave them instructions on when to open them in the year 2100. And then they're going to come together because there's a secret message written on there that can only be seen if the two sides come together. So I was I'm playing seeds of uh, diplomatic peace long after I'm dead. Um, well, you got you got to get a uh, like a tape recorder, too. So if uh, if they're just in some hellscape that they can just they can find something to plug a tape recorder into or get a battery powered tape recorder. Yeah. We, we, that, so the plan is to only do five seasons of this. So then it's like a snapshot of a specific time period. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we're going to focus on making sure it preserves time like into the future. Yeah. And I've got a couple schemes, but we're, we're not right. going to get into my variety of schemes and, and the things I intend to do. Um, so to start off, I want to ask you this. Are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Because I feel like someone in your position, you've worked in journalism for a long time. I read up on you a little bit more today and I saw you have an investment history as well. So you've seen a lot of the world and what it has to offer. Would you describe yourself as an optimist or a pessimist? Uh, I mean, I am, I'm by nature op an optimist. I'm pretty pessimistic about where things are headed, uh, <laughs> but constitutionally, uh, I'm an, I'm an, I'm an optimist. I, I always think that there's a, there's a reason to keep going and a reason to keep fighting. Okay. So I'm going to take the pass. I'm going to take that as you're pessimistic about the future though. So I'm going to sway, sway you the, I'm going to stress you to think harder. And, and I'm going to ask you, what is the best case scenario for the year 2100 in your opinion? Like, uh, and, and I know that's a very vague question because does that mean America? Does that mean the world? Uh, so just in your opinion, what is uh, the best case scenario for the future about 80 years from now? The best case, uh, first they figure out uh, how to get renewable energy and clean energy deployed at 
at scale fast enough that we can avoid climate Armageddon. Mm -hmm. And we also at scale figure out how to not completely, I don't know if you're going to completely eliminate plastics, but you're going to have to come <laughs> close to it as we have, we have not figured out what to do with, with plastic waste. And if we poison our uh, water, to the point where you can't drink it, then we're in a lot of trouble. And I think that's uh, a, it's a, good, a good point because we don't talk about the menace of plastic a lot on the show. Uh, it's like, and because they are, those are the unforeseen problems. Like I worked for a company as a marketing intern that sold like straws, napkins, trash bags. And then we had a whole section that was biodegradable stuff. And in the marketing room, we'd get, I would get angry. I'd be like, so we're selling stuff that never, we don't, not, not a single one of mm -hmm. them has ever expired, like uh, decomposed. They're just, they, they exist still in their full form. And yeah. the repercussions of something like that on those big of scales is not something that we consider often. Right. And the pandemic has exacerbated if you think about all of the carry out um, mm. and, and all of the, the waste you know, associated with properly it's egregious like, protecting people. What plastic is most of the time, isn't it just oil? It is, yes. It's so, just oil. There's actually a link between climate change and, and plastic, and, and that's it. But there's also a potential solution that I've heard people talk about that. So as cars shift over to electric vehicles, which is, which is happening, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have the entire, uh, an, the entire economy of Iowa is basically built around producing ethanol for cars. Mm -hmm. They've been getting killed uh, during the pandemic because nobody's buying ethanol because people aren't driving to work. Tra you know, traffic, oh, is, okay. traffic is way down. So they, what they have to do is they have to think, okay, well, what are we going to do in an, in an electric vehicle area era? And so what they could actually be doing instead is growing ethanol that is then converted into plastic. Uh, and, uh, and then yeah. you take this plastic and instead of pretending like you're going to recycle it, which doesn't happen, it's the it's a biggest mm -hmm. scam of the century, uh, then, you, then you landfill this plastic uh, that you made from ethanol. And what you've done there is you've actually sequestered carbon. You know, by growing corn, you, mm -hmm. pulled, car you pulled carbon out of the air, you then convert it, into ethanol and then you with the ethanol you make uh plastic and then by burying it in the ground that's literally carbon sequestration so you've you've pulled, uh, pulled no. carbon out of the air i i i know a lot of people just had an aha moment listening to this uh because i know that makes sense and, and it's good to hear like a viable solution for once because a lot right. of the times it feels like uh, there's there are not solutions to the the problems that we deal with uh, so consistently. I remember working in those rooms where we had the conversations about like, remember I, I worked at a place like this when the straw ban was a big deal. And also mm -hmm. I love that you touched on uh, recycling being fake. I, I did a story about how Philly's recycling is just non-existent. They were mixing it in the same truck. Mm -hmm. And if you mix it in the same truck, that's not even, you're not even like hiding it. That's not, right. that's, you're not even. that's uh, like, I can, I didn't, I had to do baseline level journalism. Because right. Just walk to the sidewalk and watch it happen. That's the thing about yeah. Philadelphia is a guy like me can become a prominent journalist because the things are so obviously bad mm -hmm. in front of me that I see the thing and then I have to work backwards and be like, okay, all right. 
well, let's make sure we talk to the city about this thing. And now I'm finally on their email list. But right. no, um, and talk, talk to me more about a more positive future. What is a more positive Ryan Grimm future? Well, so, you, I mean, you will, so you'll have, you know, so you'll have had to have solved those, those particular crises. Yeah, climate yeah. change. <laughs> right. uh, you'll, you'll have to, you know, uh, you have to have, you have to solve the, the material crises that are, that are mm. producing so much anger around the world. Uh, so you're going to, which means you're going to have to rein in inequality. So, and so Mm. the question is, you know, can, can a kind of, uh, you know, broad-based multiracial populist-ish, um, you know, global coalition take on the global, global elite and, you know, do something about this oligarch class that is, that is distorting the economy and distorting, distorting politics, because you're not going to get. Um, you're not going to get people uh, to a to a place where they're, uh, you know, a- able to kind of you know live a fully dignified life, um, un- unle- unless you do that. And you're going to spark a lot of wars. You're going to spark a lot of mass migration. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so you need uh, you know some serious political movement that's going to check the power of of the of the oligarchs and and spread spread wealth around. Um, but at the same time, you have to do that without uh, blowing up the blowing up the climate. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question at the risk of sounding stupid, but I'm only asking because it's topical today specifically. Um, what you're describing a multi a multiracial, like essentially a, a, a yeah a coalition of uh, people. There's obviously a vacuum on the left, like uh, in my opinion, there's mm-hmm. a vacuum on the left where. No, there is no real leader. No one's in charge. There's not a lot to like stand behind other than like, yeah, there's AOC and, and a couple prominent few, but I'm a 25 year old progressive and uh, I don't see, there's not a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of anger. There's not a lot of enthusiasm that I just see in my life. And maybe that's just, maybe that's skewed, but today the goings on of today and, and yesterday with the GameStop stock, Mm-hmm. Um, a targeted quote unquote attack on the, on the higher class, the uh, quote unquote elite, the oligarchical class. And I know it's is obviously a memeified stupid version of that, but it's, we live in a memeified stupid world. Uh, like 2021 is it's stupid. It's very mm-hmm. stupid. And memes are the economy. We just had the meme president. Why wouldn't we have yeah. the meme the meme, the meme uh, revolution and the also meme revolt. who's who's the most rich man in the world elon musk right now he overtook uh bezos and he's the meme guy these are mm-hmm. the whole it's all meme people in charge and we have this meme revolution do you think that uh, i think that the structure of this is what will take us forward like not not this exact thing but the online revolutionary nature of it and the uncoordinated, nonpartisan nature of it. Uh, I'm not seeing the right-left divide. If anything, I'm seeing that it's problematic now because bad people are doing this along with good people. But if you disclude all of the bad people all the time, you can never have a coalition. <laughs> so, right. uh, no, I, I, I just would like a comment or a thought on what, what's going on now and what you think the nature of a more positive uh, movement would look like. Well, it's it's going to be interesting to find out 
what kind of uh, big money was on the side of the Redditors here mm-hmm. um, and what kind of uh, manipulation they were involved with. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it, yeah. it might, it might turn out that the Redditors were kind of being deployed as the face of this. Baited or, or used. Squeeze. Yeah. I mean, right. Which, I mean, which, yeah. it, it, you know, if, if they win, they'll, they'll be glad to have come along, uh, come along for the ride, but it'll be mm-hmm. important because act, you know, any, all revolutions have actually always had um, some, some, some motivated element of, of the elite or, or the ruling class mm-hmm. that broke off from uh, the rest of it to join this revolution. And so that, um, like every single rev, like yeah. every single one, like there, there isn't, there isn't an example really um, of one that didn't have some elite support. Um, yeah. You know, because the, because elites are not unified. You now there are factions, uh, there are factions within them. I think it'll be, it's really important to f- watch how this energy is, is channeled. Yeah. I think the, the left has historically been really bad for the last 10, 15 years at, at channeling um, anger at the system and anger at the top in into its into its movement, whereas the right has been much better at it. Like the the right, you know, Steve Bannon looked at Gamergate uh, and and said, "There's there's all sorts of resentment going on in here mm-hmm. um, about the way the world is changing." Uh, I can ex- I can exploit the sexist misogynistic elements of it. Mm-hmm. in i can use breitbart to, and i can push people into an alt-right and from alt-right push them uh push them elsewhere and, and build up a power base that way he's been pretty open about yeah, that there, there is a like, difference in in like the nature of of someone who's on the left and someone who's on the right where i feel like the right just gets along better the right falls in line better the left will always infight because there's the resentment i guess they do the but system. they do but when when people are 17 18 19 years old and they're angry uh they're they're really they're trying to figure out why like they don't they don't really know why now mm-hmm. we live in a patriarchal society and so people are just acculturated that way and so you know the most you know so a lot of people are going to express their their anger in in ways that fit in with with the patriarchy mm-hmm. just because that's what they've grown that's what they've grown up with and for the left to say well these pe- angry people are expressing their anger through the lens of the their the patriarchy that they've come up with it through misogyny therefore they are inherently right wing and we need to uh you know ignore them or marginalize them is is short-sighted mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't it doesn't recognize that the, the pressures of the society that has been built up over the last couple hundred years is, is producing that as a first reaction when, when somebody is coming of age and is, and is, and is, and is angry, but they're not certain that that's why they're angry. They're, everybody knows, you, you know, as you're in adolescence, you're, you're searching for who you are and what your, what your identity is. And if you can get people to intervene and say, here, think, think about, think about it from this perspective, look at, Look at this. Look at this pressure that's been that's been put on you. Uh, then there is a then there's a chance to move people in in that op- opposite direction. That's why I mentioned YouTube early on because right now YouTube basically takes everybody and funnels them to the right. 
The proof um, is in the pudding. Uh, I have been every party. I grew up with a, with a father who was very conservative. I had conservative values. Mm-hmm. There was a point in time I would have called myself a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you just you feel that exploitation. I had a brother six years older than me who I shared a bedroom with who listened to Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Of course, but then we were watching Lewis Black and 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 John Stewart at night on television. Right. So it, it is kind of messier than it all seems to be painted. Um, right. But we'll, we'll pit, uh, no, actually, any any final thoughts on the best case scenario for for the to the for the year two thousand one hundred? I mean, you figure out energy, figure out food. Um, <laughs> the big, the big two. And, and, and figure out disease like yeah. you know the the it'll be i'll i'll be interested to know how many pandemics we had mm. between between 2020 and 2100 did you say pandemic um, or plandemic uh well <laughs> i said pandemic okay no um, i asked because p i i heard a little l in there and i if if other people heard that i didn't want that to be on your name no 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 didn't didn't mean to didn't mean to stumble <laughs> on that so you know we had we had one serious pandemic between 1919 and, and 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had some near misses over the last 10, 20 years. And the way that everything is speeding up, uh, whether it's uh, natural catastrophes or just the, the way that um, life comes at you so mm-hmm. much faster nowadays, there are, there are a lot of people who think that, you know, given how much closer uh, we are to each other just physically, how much closer we are to wilderness than we used to be. Uh, there are more people alive today. I think I've seen this stat than there have been in the history of, you know, in human mm-hmm. history um, that that's going to create, you know, many more opportunities uh, for these viral evolutions that, that create a pandemic. Uh, and also, you know, the, the more research we do in labs, the, the, then the, the, the more opportunities that creates for lab accidents, which um, are you know people reasonably do fear that pandemics can be kickstarted by by lab accidents. Yeah. Um, and so I'll be I'll be interested to hear how many we, we have between uh, now and twenty one hundred uh, and what kind and what kind we have because it's it's something that isn't isn't going away. Ready to shoot whoever, enjoy the ride for the time Then be lost forever, yeah Then be lost forever I'm the big guy Uh, do you prefer I refer to you as Caitlin or slow puke? <laughs> uh, you could. Caitlin is totally fine. Caitlin right, is. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, literally, people just call me puke as well, which is like, you know, people just refer to me as barf. But Caitlin is perfect. Why do you name yourself Caitlin slow puke? So it was so obviously like starting TikTok, I never anticipated actually like making anything of it. Mm-hmm. And at first I had it just to like comment on people's videos and it's it's a, a play on words of the pokemon slowpoke it's like slowpoke oh slowpoke is beginning to evolve 
my favorite Pokemon, and I switched mm. out the O with a U, so it's like puke, and it's kind of funny. I'm familiar then, with Slowpoke. I'm very familiar with the the Kanto region and uh, yeah. Pokemon, but I I I didn't even put two and two together. Yeah, for for a while I had to like because people kept asking what it meant, and my profile picture for a long time was me holding a Slowpoke, so people wouldn't get confused. I thought you but were then I changed say, it, and now the question is holding a bag of vomit. Yeah, and just being like, <laughs> no, it's it's actual barf. Like no, that's it. So could could you introduce yourself? You mentioned TikTok briefly and your mm-hmm. your uh, pseudonym or stage name. But what? Uh, who I'm are you? Them. Introduce yourself to the people of the present and to the people of the year two thousand one hundred. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, my name is Caitlin. Um, as we said, also AKA Slow Puke. Uh, I'm twenty one years old. I live in Canada. Um, by day, I'm trying to be an actor, but um Mm. other than that i i twitch stream uh, i play video games for people to watch on the internet or i uh make silly videos for people to laugh at on the internet yeah and i empathize completely just what i do with all of that grind uh (laughs) i started out as a mere content creator but uh i've been validated as a journalist in the last year or so uh so i i understand the trajectory you could be anything next year Um, (laughs) wherever, wherever anything takes me, honestly, like I'll take it. Would you consider yourself an optimist or a pessimist? Um, I think more so a pessimist. Um, cause I, I, but pessimism disguises me being like, oh no, I'm being realistic about it. But in reality, I'm just sort of, sort of downplaying things. I think I'm, I'm more so in that kind of. Wow. All right. So then if that's the case, we'll do what kind of requires more thought and will be harder for you. Um, yeah. Let's talk about like when things are good, best mm-hmm. case scenarios. So this is a pretty vague question, but I haven't asked anyone this for the episode. What is like the best case scenario for a day in 2021? Like what is your best day in 2021? Um, like if you, if everything man. went amazing and at the end of the day, your life, you got every, at the end of the day, not even at the mm-hmm. end of your life, at the end of the day, you got everything you wanted. What would that day look like? I mean, for me, like now, obviously, cause 2021 so far, nobody knows absolutely what's going to happen. It would be like waking up, um, not at two o'clock in the afternoon, um, waking up and then going on the internet. which is like always going to be the first thing for like my day to be the best of what it could be right now. It would be like posting something that, you know, does super, super well. And I get a bunch of people on board with me streaming a video game, playing video games for people and getting like a ton of viewers and people probably giving me money. And then like, that's it. Like right now, if I'm with what I do, that would be like my best case scenario, completely revolving around how people perceive me on the internet. Limiting (laughs) your expectations. Because if I'm thinking best case scenario in my day, best case scenario, uh, I wake up, COVID's done. Uh, But you just went on the internet. You're (laughs) shit posting immediately. Literally. The pandemic's not even a thought. (laughs) <laughs> well that's what i'm that's what i meant by like i have no idea how that's gonna play out i, I mean so I would love like, if i woke up and they were like it's gone suddenly it just like left so it's that for you like, it's kind of like more of only what you can control yeah 
that makes sense. No, yeah. because it, it is hard to imagine like optimistically, like how good a day, a mm-hmm. year, a month, how good something can go. That's kind of what makes the question, what is the best case scenario interesting? Like, yeah. now let's, let's jump, let's take that question a little further. Let's jump towards the future. Yeah. And 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 look look a little outside of yourself. But, so, what is the best case scenario for Canada by by twenty twenty one? I'm asking you about Canada. You are the representative for your entire country. In I'm this, speaking on behalf of all the, of them now. All of them, because we all don't get a lot. Thirty you know, million. We put people on the spot. <laughs> Man, like best case scenario for for Canada right now. Um, like specifically, I mean, I got to think about all of it, but like specifically in my province, it would be like, you know, some some miracle happens and they're, they manage to just like COVID numbers down the mm. bottom. What is you know? what is the problem? What are tell us talk about your province? What's what's going on in your province? So I am I live in Toronto. So I live in Ontario, which mm. is like, you know, the most populated like province in mm. Canada um but like specifically with covid as i mentioned our numbers like we were like fine well not fine nowhere's like fine <laughs> um but like it, it was like going down like last summer it was like we would get like a hundred cases a day in like the whole province with like you know however many million people live here and then you know september hit and it's just like skyrocketed and it's just been going up and up and up but like there's been barely any more measures like taken by because like the dude no in charge of our province are he doug ford he's like you, he's why do you guys keep rob electing ford. fords stop electing fords <laughs> literally because he's rob ford's brother i don't know what the political landscape is or what party these people are a part of but i know that you guys keep you you keep uh, voting for the pinkest biggest most bloated men <laughs> yeah. their faces are so pink Literally, and and they they I don't know what the appeal of it is, but I can't say shit as an American about politics. So, uh, no, you stop. Yeah, stop electing Fords. So, give us a a brighter future (laughs) for the world uh, in the year two thousand one hundred. What is the best case scenario for the year two thousand one hundred, in your opinion? Man, best case scenario. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna try and be like super optimistic, Mm -hmm. thinking outside the box now, because I was immediately gonna be like, well, I hope like robots haven't taken over. (laughs) I'm immediately gonna go down that. Trust me, you're not gonna be the first one to say that. But if you're gonna get optimistic, I'm gonna I'm gonna call my shot. We're gonna cue optimistic music right here. (laughs) Okay, right now. Uh, The year, man, the year 2100. I'm best case scenario. I'm thinking like. There is, you know, with how how progressive, like, you know, the kind of world has gotten with more and more people being more progressive and, and open that, like, nobody, nobody is discriminated against. Nobody. Best case scenario, 100 years time, somehow, in only 100 years, that's, like, gone. And I, I think, and I think that's kind of simplistic yet astute. Because getting rid of just baseline discrimination would mean like, because people, I've asked this question to a lot of people, uh, Mm -hmm. a a large variety of people for this episode, there's other guests, and they said things like uh, climate change, some people suggested like using ethanol instead of plastic, yada, yada. 
Mm-hmm. But those are only ch- chipping away at small things. But to yeah. get rid of discrimination <laughs> in theory would ultimately mean we're no longer valuing one type of life over another yeah. type of life, mm-hmm. which that would cancel out most of the problems. Yeah. Which is like, and that is best say, best case scenario for like a hundred years from now as well. You know, like, you know, if I'm being realistic, I'm like, man, something like that's probably going to take a hundred years, more than a hundred years. It's already taken more, more than a hundred years. The human it's, experiment. Yeah, it's already taken a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. That's never really, I don't know if like, you know, human beings will ever even get to like see that where there's, you know, going to be people who just don't you know, see any difference between them and somebody else, depending on whatever sort of, you know, differentiating factor they may have, no matter what it is. Please welcome the hosts of the Half and Half Podcast. Please welcome the hosts of the Half and Half Podcast. Please welcome, please welcome, please welcome the hosts of the Half and Half Podcast. Hey, so I'm Vasanth, and I'm here with Aiden. Hey, Aiden. I'm Aiden. So yeah, we're with Half and Half Podcast. Thanks, Jason, for having us on your show. And yeah, we've got a little message to the people of 2100, don't we? Yeah, we're going to talk about the best case scenario for the year 2100 and what we hope would be the best case of what the world's going to look like. So I guess I'll get get the ball rolling here. Uh, hey, guys in 2100, guys and gals, uh, hopefully things are going well now or then. That's confusing. But um, yeah, I guess there's a <laughs> couple things that I hope are going on. Uh, in 2100 uh at the time of recording this uh we recently had a a coup attempt i guess if you want to call it that so hopefully that's not happening in the good old us of a yeah so hopefully that's not happening anymore uh over in the future but i think for me one of the biggest things is uh hopefully by now you guys have things like universal healthcare. you know insurance companies aren't gouging your pockets for Mm -hmm the probably great medical treatment, the advances in medical science and stuff that have hopefully happened by then. Yeah. So hopefully they're not gouging your pockets for, you know, life saving quality of life, altering treatment. And on top of that, you know, I think a big thing too, that I think about a lot is how in uh, the year 2021, uh, we have a two party system and that can be kind of a problem because yeah, you vote these people into office and they're supposed to represent you, but what kind of ends up happening is they sort of just fight each other. It's like sports. It's team blue versus team red. And your sole goal is to just beat or own or bother the other team 
but you don't really care about your supporters. So maybe in the future, we just got rid of the two-party system, or if we still have it, you know, hopefully at least the people who are being voted into power properly represent their constituents and, you know, realize that you were put here to be a voice of a lot of people. So be that voice. Don't just play party politics all the time because that just kind of leaves the rest of us regular people screwed. So hopefully that's going on in 2100. So, yeah, those are some of the things I hope well, y'all got going on. I think you're definitely right about that, Vasanth. I think those would be great. And I think, honestly, the most likely thing where the parties would break up, in my opinion, is you would see, like, four. Yeah. Two tip. Two would be considered, like, liberal, and two would be considered, like, conservative. One would be, uh, one would be progressive, one would be Democrat, mm-hmm. one would be Republican, and then the other one would be, like, this, like, Trump version, tr- Trump-descendant Republican, Trump you know? Trump-descendant Republicans, yes. Trumplicans. Trump, sons of Trump. <laughs> Trumplings, maybe? Trumplings. I don't know, something I like, like that. that. Trumpeteers. Yeah. Trumpeteers, maybe. Yes. yes. Yeah, Canada um, has a system like but, that, right? They have, like, a multi-party sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think they have a few. I mean, I think most countries should, but we just kind of stink, I guess, in that aspect. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, some things that I'm kind of hoping for, I'm hoping to see increased tolerance in the world. And I'm not saying, like, you know, you can't make fun of anybody, you can't tease whatever, whoever you want online, whatever, I don't care about that particularly. But more just accepting of different lifestyles that are not like yours. Because mm-hmm. what we've seen in the age of the internet is that these people become further and further divided. And if progress was being made towards becoming more whole, uh, a lot of times it gets undone too because these people escape into these little pockets of reality yep. where they it's just an echo chamber. And just, you know, I'm always right, you're always wrong, and that's how it's mm-hmm. going to be. Um, and kind of to go into that further, yeah, I would like to see an end to misinformation or at least make it a lot more easy to recognize. Yeah. And a regulation of big tech and large companies like that that would actively spread this min- misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like, Vasanth, you would watch The Social Dilemma. Yes. And didn't you say, like, that at a certain point, Mark Zuckerberg kind of, like, enabled misinformation because it was, like, more profitable and it drove in more clicks, right? Yeah, it was more juicy and it generated more interactions, more clicks, more retention. And Facebook... The algorithm liked that because the algorithm likes pushing content that gets more retention because then you can put more ads in there and make it more valuable. So they're selling ad space on misinformation because misinformation is popular. So yeah, in a way, yeah, Yeah. it was definitely enabling it. Yeah, 100%. And that's like, I want to see an end to that and I want to see some sort of regulation of that that would help stop that. Mm -hmm. Because right now it's just going rampant all across all different social medias. And like I said, these pockets of reality, people escape into them and they just, they stay in there. Uh, I would also like to see kind of, you were talking about the uh, universal healthcare aspect. What if, right. what if, what if, I would what like if, to see what if, what if. continued advances in modern medicine, mm-hmm. uh, better treat, treatments for terrible diseases like cancer, ways to help with diabetes, things like that. And also that they're affordable. Too. Yeah. So it's not that these really great treatments are available, but just because I'm poor and I get cancer, it's it's not a death sentence. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know I have to be rich to get the good treatment. Yeah, you know, I just I would like to see, I would like to see a lot more equity in that sense. You know, just so we can try and keep people healthy and keep going. Yeah, and certainly and, like a lot of support for like genetic 
like diseases that you get just because of genetic you know predispositions and stuff like that yeah absolutely C- like cystic fibrosis type stuff and mesothelioma <laughs> oh, all these yeah. terrible things he's continued good treatment for them yeah but yeah so that's i was gonna say i think that's what we'd really like to see I, just a better world yeah because you know? right now we're living in the middle of a pandemic and it's a real weird man world. it's it stinks it does <laughs> but you know just, i hope um i hope that 89 years from now it's a lot better than this so yeah hope y'all are having my a good time will, over there yeah hopefully my grandchildren are enjoying uh this life you know yeah. that's what i'll say well, thank you for having us on, Jason. Yeah, again. thanks, Jason. It. And uh, thank you, uh, listeners in 2100. If it wasn't for Wayne, it wouldn't be. If it wasn't for Wayne, it wouldn't be. If, if it wasn't for Wayne, it wouldn't be. Okay, man, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Now, come on, now crank this motherfucker up. The answer to the question, what is the best case scenario for the year 2100, is, is utopia. It's a one-word answer. It's an easy question. Utopia. Right? Right, right, right? Isn't that supposed to be the aim of a society is to reach a perfect utopia? A place where all are happy, all are accepted, and all is right? But nowadays, that, that idea, nobody even wants that. There's a bloodlust. You want the people that, that, that oppose you, you want them to suffer. You want them to feel bad. And the idea of utopia is no longer the goal, rather, being right is. Utopia almost seems unfathomable. There's a process of progression needed that seems impossible and scary, but on the other side of that threshold are a new set of problems and solutions, predicaments in which you must now operate. Remember when technology was supposed to save us? The idea of utopia is nice, but after all, it's an idea as was society at one point, and in my opinion, the idea of society itself has failed, we move cyclically through power structures, organized mass genocides, and the spread of plagues. The plague is now cancer, STDs, obesity, uh, the drug epidemic, or even the coronavirus. The genocide is the refusal to feed and aid the third world in the name of capitalism, along with the actual ethnic cleansings of the Rohingya Muslims happening in Myanmar, and the power belonging in the hands of the wealthy. When wealth and finance remain the focal point of society, utopia is the halting of that process and living in perpetual bliss. The steps towards utopia have been few and far between. Communism, although thought of centuries ago, has never been truly practiced, and neither has capitalism. Pseudo-versions of these societal systems and societal structures have been operating for centuries. In theory, American capitalism could be interesting, but it's never existed. In America, there's a combination of political connections to the private sector, tax code, and the way that the political system dissuades socialism and promotes capitalism so america sits on the fence in between two systems standing up for capitalism and denouncing socialism while the two strangely coexist this causes a class struggle between the middle class which is tapped for money by both systems the poor benefit from socialism and the rich benefit from capitalism the needs and wants are split straight down the middle in america because We have a media that perpetuates this problem without actually explaining it. Communism, when tried, amounted to to an astounding failure and famine. But I believe that communism would thrive within a small, wealthy nation, and it does. So, the question is, are we closer to utopia 
or extinction? And believe it or not, my answer to that question is extinction. As a species, we've worked harder to get to extinction. That's why we've had nuclear weapons for over 60 years, but have done little to address worldwide hunger and vast widespread poverty. We've chosen the ability to blow up all existing life that we are aware of in the universe over the ability to provide a meaningful life to those in need of necessities. If you liked that last portion of the show, it was actually cut from Jason's book, Life of a Giant, Chapter Utopia One. Life of a Giant is available on Amazon.com. Link to purchase in the show description. But da 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 you're an optimist oh absolutely okay okay what is the best case scenario for the year 2100 <laughs> i'm keeping society. it vague on purpose and and to the people that are uh, this is steve schmeler inventor of the foam finger and uh architectural designer concrete forming designer yeah sure <laughs> um yeah being an optimist i would hope that in 80 years, people have the have the internal uh, uh, gumption, the the, the uh, excitement to carry on life where there's communication and, and, and intermingling with people that so they aren't at each other's throat, but they're getting along and and making the world a better place. Well, what about all that uh, world melting stuff we were just talking about? It can help help people move from the beaches to the highlands, I guess. You know, people help one another. Um, no, as far as the the problems like that, sometimes when you when you can't change things and there's gonna be an inevitable an inevitable, you know, result going on because of that, uh, you just have to plan to to work around the bad stuff and, and make it better. I, now, Steve, and this is going to be the end to the best case scenario episode. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think. And right. I don't really have I don't really have uh, um, a a definite what I think the best case scenario for the world would be, because I don't think the goal for anyone is utopia anymore. It felt like to me, it felt like the goal of utopia was an, uh, at least reflected to me in media. Uh, when you watch movies from the 80s or the 90s, Star Trek and shit like that, they're always talking about a utopia or a better future or a place where we could all coexist. But I don't see that anymore. That is not the the media that is being reflected now. Now everything you see is dystopic. Uh, 
in the, the Avengers movies. You ever see those Avengers movies? No. Yeah, I don't, you're not the Avengers type, but those are the biggest movies in the world, and they're shit. They're f- terrible, Steve. They are these. The, the Avengers Marvel movies are very bad. They're they are straight up for children, and the fact that they're billion dollar grosses it, it really says a lot about our society. But in those horrible movies, which are the biggest pieces of culture consumed in this country, half of the superheroes die. And it's because the evil guy snaps his fingers and has to kill half of the world to make things just. And then the big turn is that they all come back and they kill him. And then I guess the world suffers anyway. And then that's, that's the, the, but that's the thing. It's, it's, it's incoherent nonsense, but that's the, the positive view on the media landscape nowadays. And, and I see that reflected. People, There is not a lot of hope in the world. There's not a ton of optimism. And in my opinion, a best case scenario would be people getting, I guess, their heads out of their asses in a lot of ways, whether it be people like me who are young left-wing um, idealists who have a bone to pick with people who disagree. And then it's also... Uh, the people whom we disagree with also having to put their swords down and eventually going, when do we give up on this team stuff and start working together? Um, but it feels like we're a long ways from that. Uh, and and the, we obviously coming together to fight climate change is the best case scenario. The idea that regardless of race, political gender, uh, political assignment gender like regardless of religion you come together and then you fight against climate change and somehow make a new deal era style like jobs program that allows for businesses to exist and for the public sector to give people jobs who need it but have those jobs also creating an economy sustainable for the long-term destruction of our planet while also trying to maybe even not just limit the climate change but maybe reverse some of it there's we play from such a downtrodden position as as countries where we just accept the inevitable because what i worry about a lot of the time is that the process of exploitation for commerce will eventually cease and we're going to see that already america we don't produce a lot of stuff anymore in my lifetime we've never been a manufacturing economy and that scares me we're seeing a lot in this pandemic we haven't been able to make masks in america make the stuff we need to stay alive and it and you, your whole life you're taught that the power power is ownership and control of the means of production but to me what i've seen is that we don't have it we don't have control over the means of production it's it's all now uh just up in the air and i worry that one day um, that will all catch up to us. Everything being so fragmented to the point where states are bidding against each other for masks, states are bidding against each other for vaccines, and there, there's, there, there was no way, there was no way around it. That's just how it was, and we were stuck in that gridlock, and we're still stuck in that gridlock. And I know that leans on authoritarian almost of me to say, but I think something like this will kind of force you to feel that way at a point in time. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, you, I'm rambling, Steve. Do you, do, you, do you think that there's enough brain power in this country that develop a new energy source 
a new method of creating energy that's not coal-fired power plants, as an example. Mm-hmm. I do. I do think that in due time, it's possible, but whether it, it's people have the motives to accomplish that. And I don't think that transformative behavior is incentivized. Transformative behavior is not incentivized. Uh, the, the status quo is incentivized. So you either go along with the status quo and try to make strides within the status quo or you fail as a radical or you like you kind of can't have it both ways. Like if you were to walk into your job and say, we're doing everything the green way now in whatever profession that is, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem no matter what it is. It's not just like one company. It's not, it's, it's the whole way we all act and it's what we all expect because we expect too much and we, 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 we really do like even my generation, like what I expect to be able to do is irrational. I, my, the, the bar has been set so high by the media and by the world that's reflected to us that we just, we, we expect to have everything, you know, it's very, very, very strange. And uh, that's why I feel like it's so hard to envision a better future is because things are so kind of in limbo right now. So when you talk about expectations, uh, when I grew up, we never had the idea we could have anything you know that was out there. You know, it, financially, not everybody's able to do that. And, and that idea, we knew that there were things that we probably wouldn't have, have in our hands. So uh, but do you think that's different now or kids? 110%. But, but that, yeah. but in, 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 in return, there's nothing worth having anymore. <laughs> like you, you, to you, there was stuff that you recognize that you might not be able to get. But my thing is now we all have everything and it sucks. <laughs> we all, we all have the, the it item. The it item is not the it item anymore. The it item is the norm. So like, it doesn't get much better than an iPhone, like from a technology standpoint. And we all have them. We, we all have them and we expect every people, people to have them so much so that you get annoyed if you get a green text instead of a blue text. Uh, people get angry and it's there crazy. Was a, there was a reason for, for that when they developed it. <laughs> exactly. It's a Pavlovian response. But no, yeah, I'm going on too long. Best case scenario is that the people of the world come together to fight climate change. And then in the the, the same process, they uh, burn down the Ivy League schools and uh, elect a working class coalition. (laughs) That's my thought process. Uh, I'm as anti Ivy League as it gets. I think that's kind of where the problem is in the world is that everybody went to these Ivy League colleges. It doesn't matter what they say, if they're an R or a D they're still in the club and once we need to get that club out of there whether regardless of their 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 political spectrum we need to get that type of person let's get i want to see more people from duquesne and from iowa state and from temple and from millersville and from community college give me some community college graduates in power because that they can talk they can talk they can work things out they're not so overwhelmed with oil money that they can't do anything. Uh, Steve, do you have anything else you want to say? No. <laughs> no. Thank you for listening to me rant well, for the I end thank of the you very much for 
you know, give me a few minutes. I appreciate that a lot. No, it's nice to talk to you, Steve. Uh, and the, we, I just asked you, I know you don't have anything to say to the people of the year 2100 because you just did in your last episode. Um, so let me ask you something. What, what did you build? What's your favorite thing you've ever built? Uh, that's like a personal thing, not a big thing. Well, our, the home we live in, we built in 1976. Lynn, my wife and I were uh, like 24 years old and, and we built a nice, uh, a nice home and it's been our forever home. And, and um, I don't know if you've seen postings I've had of our fireplace, uh, you know, in the past, past couple of weeks here, we've had minus, you know, minus 10 to 15 degree temperatures. Getting that fireplace uh, ginned up was uh, really felt good inside. That's great. So you've been, you've been, you've been brave in the cold weather. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, I thank you so much for coming on. I got another confession to make. I'm your fool. Everyone's got their chains to break.